This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello everyone, Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So what's up with Alexa's attitude lately? What do you mean? Well, she's always kind of snarky. I've noticed lately she's been more snarky. Well, she definitely was last night. Oh, okay, yeah. I asked... <laughs> I asked the lady of the house. The lady if, of the yeah, house. Uh, Alexa, uh, why I love Katrina Walls so much. Mm-hmm. I was testing her AI capabilities. Mm-hmm. And she responded with, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> Which sounded very aggressive and snarky to me. Yeah, yeah. It's been that way for a while now. I don't know if maybe she's becoming uh, sentient. And is just really annoyed by our relationship. (laughs) Certainly couldn't be our music choices because we have excellent musical taste. Obviously. I know that she answers, I don't have an answer for that to a lot of things. And she's not being snarky. But I felt like that one definitely was. (laughs) Or you're just taking it a little bit too personally. You are. I rest my case. You rest your case. My case could use some resting. I, I, I've got to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> do you have a story for me? I do. I was I was going through some old photos of medical procedures. Got sure. in kind of a as one does <laughs> a deep dive on the old <laughs> Google machine. Yeah. And I thought, what the hell were some of these people thinking? Mm. Uh, and I'm sure you're going to say the same thing. Let's decide together. Wait till you hear about some of these strange. And in my mind, terrifying medical devices that people used in the past. Now, I know we've talked about some of these. Sure. But I got lost in this rabbit hole on the topic. And boy, do I have some info here. Now, we are, of course, familiar. We've talked about stuff like the iron lung, Mm -hmm. that massive metal tube that uh, people had to lie inside to help them breathe. This was primarily during the polio epidemic. Okay. It's like being in a tin can. And we've also touched on the topic of the early 20th century vibrators. 
Right. Uh, Unfortunately. Yeah. Initially, they were designed as medical devices to treat hysteria in women. They were uh, marketed as household appliances. Yeah. Do you even need to say in women? I mean, back in the day, it's just assumed if you were hysterical, hysterical hysterectomy. Yes. See? Yeah. 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 I just find it bizarre that they labeled it a household device. Sure. But let's look at some old-timey medical devices and methods that you may not have heard about. First of all, there's the circumstraint. Um, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it is. It's terrible. And gives visions of wieners. Yes. Yep. It's uh, a contraption. To keep you, you from getting a boner? It. Well, no, we're get, we'll get to that, though. Oh, okay. Jesus. It's, it's a contraption used for infant circumcisions. Oh. And it looks like something straight out of a horror movie. It, it, seriously, just the, the sight of it gave me nightmares. Like to do at home? No, no. It's a medical profession. Okay. I don't know how professional it is, but yeah, yeah. It reminds me of those little fake magic trick things that uh, they used to have years ago where you'd put, it looked like a little guillotine and you put your finger in it and you push the guillotine down and it didn't cut your finger off. It was an, an illusion. Like in a mirror kind it, of thing. Yeah. It reminds me of that. I hate that. Or a cigar cutter. I mean, I had, like, I wish, I wish that wasn't a thing anyway, just. With what, a very genital small... mutilation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let alone with a very tiny guillotine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the only thing they've used little tiny guillotines for. Um, <laughs> there's the vintage tonsil guillotine. It was designed so that it would fit in the mouth, and it was used to snip off tonsils like you were clipping a toenail. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wait, was this for home use? I don't, I don't believe it was for home use, Okay. but uh, maybe somebody smuggled one out. Oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. I love how back in the day, the answer for everything was, take the tonsils out. They took mine out. Yeah, but you had a lot going on, so it, that's understandable. You're not going to believe this one, though. The Lobotomobile. Oh. Yeah. Like it, a mobile? Yeah. Lo- oh, okay. Yeah, it was like a, like a, a, a surgical uh, food truck. Oh my gosh. It would come to your... Basically, it was a van that traveled around performing lobotomies. Like a food truck, but for brain surgeries. That is terrible. I wonder if they had it, if if you had to have an appointment or if they just drove around the neighborhood. Playing music? Yeah, looking for lobotomy enthusiasts. Just the same annoying song over and over and over again. Which reminds me, the last time we talked about lobotomies, something went terribly wrong. Yeah, I said, I said an ice pick up the nose. And I really, I, I chose those words for comedic purposes. I don't think you did. No, I know the ice pick would go like right up in the eye. Of course you know it. I, I know that. Right. But, but yeah, nose just sounded funnier I don't to think me. that's true. Anyway, I got called out for it. Hey, Kent and Jethro. I am sitting in my car at lunch listening to Box 575. And uh, Jethro threw me a little bit when he was describing lobotomies when you're speaking about sanitariums. So... I thought in honor of this being box 575, I would comment in the form of a haiku. Here it goes. It's not through the nose. Ice pick went in through the eye, forced by hammering. There you go. Hope that solves it for you. And keep being awesome, both of you. I love the box of oddities. Also love the shallow end. And thanks for being you. Bye. Lobotomy haikus. 
We need more of those. Yes. Thank you. All the time. And then I wrote them back and I was like, I think there was some confusion about lobotomies and then mummifying, you know, where they go up through the nose and pull Uh, the brain out. mm -hmm. (laughs) We all agreed that that's probably what happened. Then there's the tooth key. Yeah, a pretty gruesome gadget. It was used to extract a, te- a tooth or a teeth. It was before the advent of modern dentistry, and it often caused, as you can imagine, extreme pain. Just think about the agony. No anesthesia. Okay. Just metal against tooth. Oh. And they would just stick it over the tooth and turn it like a key. No. Until the tooth popped out or your jaw broke, one, one or the other. I don't even like very cold water. now here's one that i guarantee will make you immediately picture the procedure in your head Uh, it's called nasal smoke blower the nasal smoke blower okay so something that blows smoke up your nose well close this device was used to blow tobacco smoke right up your bum (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I picture. Yep, you heard me right. Right up the old rusty sheriff's badge. (laughs) The dirty onion ring, if you will. (laughs) You know, the employee's entrance, the leather bagel, the mud button, the mystery zone. It was supposed to treat various ailments. I do remember talking about that at one point. But that's weird. And speaking of weird and awkward, here's a couple of devices that, uh, well... Seem counterintuitive. Someone invented a masturbation machine. Yeah. And then someone invented an anti-masturbation device. (laughs) These contraptions were incredibly invasive. (laughs) Bizarre and harmful, both physically and, I would imagine, psychologically. And it makes the chastity belt seem almost tame. So let's just stop for a moment. First, someone builds an anti-masturbation device. Which I imagine could just be a stick. (laughs) <laughs> Once they start masturbating, just hit them with a stick. Poke them with a stick. Yeah. Yeah. Then another guy, and, and I'm assuming it, it was a guy, sure. builds a fully functioning machine to assist one in masturbating. It's almost like some sort of a late 19th century masturbatory arms race. <laughs> but I don't know. But I do know this. I have a pretty good idea which one of those devices sold better. Sure. <laughs> <Yes>. Sure. <laughs> Now, this was sort of a medical device, but used for commercial purposes. X-ray shoe fitting machines. They were used in shoe stores to measure the fit of shoes. And sure, they exposed the customers to harmful radiation. But what does it matter? Because eventually it's going to lead to savings, since one doesn't need shoes after your feet have been removed. I think this is actually a really good idea. That makes perfect sense to me. (laughs) Severe radiation-induced skin injury really doesn't make me want to put shoes on. Now, okay, here's a question for you. Yeah. What is more terrifying Shoe measuring x-ray machines mm-hmm. or the Brannock device? I would bury my feet in uranium before <laughs> before I'd use a Brannock device. That's just, I'm sure that the roots of that, it's, it's some sort of medieval torture device. Sure. It's, it's got to be. Mercury inhalers. Oh, well, finally. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They were able to vaporize mercury to more effectively uh, get it into your respiratory system. Now, what was this to treat? I imagine it probably had something to do with tuberculosis or something like that. Then there's the urine wheel, which... (laughs) 
which sounds like a really bad game show. It actually was pretty popular in ancient uh, China. It was designed to diagnose diseases by analyzing the color, the smell, and the oh, taste oh. and the taste oh. of urine. I was going to say that makes perfect sense because you can tell a lot from your urine, yeah. but don't taste it. Taste the rainbow. <clears throat> taste it. All right. That's enough. Hey, you looking to drop a few pounds? How about swallowing balloons and inflating them in your stomach to lose weight? That doesn't seem to make much sense to me. Yeah, unless it's like, unless the balloon's filled with lasagna, I don't think I'd be interested in that. But I guess the, the theory would be that it made you feel full. I guess that's true. Now, if that's not enough for you, how about tapeworm diet pills? Oh, well, yeah, that's a classic. Uh, we've talked about that in the past. That actually was very popular in uh, Hollywood during the early studio days when the studios manipulated the starlets into all sorts of horrible things. Mm. Hello, child. Please smoke all these cigarettes and drink a bunch so you can be skinny for our movie. And this might be a good time to mention uh, our new podcast that's coming up. We are helping to produce From Beneath the Hollywood Sign, featuring Nan McNamara, uh, who is a working actress. Also, of course, Lindsay Schneebly's better half. And Steve Kubine, who is a Emmy Award winner guy with uh, a huge knowledge of Hollywood history, specifically the golden age of Hollywood. And they're going to take a look at some some of the darker corners of Hollywood, among other things. Look at you cross-promoting. Yeah, that's that's me. That's coming out from Beneath the Hollywood sign. It's going to be so much better than our podcast. <laughs> it already is. <laughs> it drops October 18th. Uh, we'll give you all the links and stuff. We're super excited. It's going to be great. Anyway, back to weird stuff. Listen to this. You, you remember in the old days, you see this in the movies when, when they're operating on people. I would put, give them some ether. They sure. use ether yeah. as an anesthetic. Well, there were ether frogs. <laughs> These were glass frog figurines filled with ether used for anesthesia they kept it in in these frogs for some reason like across the board it was frog shaped well i'm sure there were exceptions but it seemed to be the uh, the accepted practice the store ether in a glass frog was it kind of like a bong it, it, sort of because before they would put you under you had to suck on the frog's ass there, it wasn't it was its butt? Yeah, the frog. <laughs> you just, yeah, it was administered. Just take a haul off the frogs. But why? I, I don't know. Somebody had a sense of humor and it just became standard practice. Here, kiss this frog's ass and now go to sleep. Okay. Don't mind the people with the bloody aprons well, and the knives. That's the new title. <laughs> kiss this frog's ass and go to sleep. <laughs> So why do they do this stuff? Well, let's remember it was a different time mm -hmm. and they were experimenting. Sure. Medical knowledge wasn't what it is today. In fact, the reason it is today is because of, of a lot of these types of weird stuff right. that they did that uh, we learned from. Bionic eyeballs? Thank frog butt ether. <laughs> Something like that. So next time you're sitting in your comfy dentist's chair, be grateful that we've moved past the tooth key era and uh, that no one's trying to no one's trying to blow smoke up your whoopee slap. <laughs> 
Now, if your curiosity hasn't been entirely squashed by this and you want to learn more, here's some sources for you to explore. Of course, the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia, if you are within, oh, say, a six or 8,000 mile radius, you should go there. Mm, it's a fascinating place, a morbid collection of all kinds of medical oddities. Um, and in a book, Quackery, A Brief History of the Worst Ways to Cure Everything. So much fun. Lydia Kang and Nate Peterson wrote that. This book, it will have you cringing and laughing at the same time. So in the end, let's raise a glass or a mercury inhaler, if you will, to the odd and the peculiar and the downright strange. And who knows, maybe a hundred years from now, somebody's going to be laughing at our bizarre practices like waxing our bums and our taints, you know. Our cigar barns, the the Cadbury coin slot, if you will. <laughs> I've got more. <laughs> We're good, thanks. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's 
A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. And now, that thing in the middle. Chimoy Thipiaso was a bit of a con man and a pretty successful con man. His specialty was pyramid schemes. But one pyramid scheme was so successful that it was his last. No, he didn't retire. The scheme was so good, it fooled the royal family of Thailand into investing. His scheme was uncovered, and needless to say, the royal family was not pleased. They sentenced him to 141,078 years of imprisonment. This is the longest prison sentence in recorded history. Sue sent us a message. I've heard you mention your relationship with 1111 a couple of times and had to write. I find numbers fascinating and could go on and could go on for days, but I'll spare you that. Here's my 1111 story. Good friend of mine lost her sister earlier this year. She died at 1111. She was in hospice care in room number 11. Her funeral was at 11. She died on August 3rd. I'll save you the math, but notice that 8 August plus 3, the 3rd, is 11. Mm. To make it even more interesting, August 3rd happens to be my sister's birthday. My sister passed away last year, and this friend helped provide respite for me when I needed it. So many connections. I have to add, my sister passed away on 9-10 on the 22nd anniversary of our mom's death. And my mom was 22 when my sister was born. See, numbers are fascinating. I can tell you guys enjoy what you do because I enjoy what you do. That is really sweet. <laughs> that is nice. I really wanted to make this funny, but apparently I'm funnier in person than in my writing. Yeah, well. <laughs> Most of us are. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing more. Thank you. Sue. Thank you, Sue. Dark Tea Party commented on Instagram at the end of Kat's story for the last episode where I talked about protected designation of origin. At the end of Kat's story, she mentioned Parmesan cheese as a big moneymaker keeping the little cheesemakers down. <laughs> and all I could think of was Big Parma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That made me laugh out loud. It was like two in the morning when I read this and I'm just big laying in bed. Parma. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for that. I love a good cheesy joke. Happy Glow Healthy commented, This was my favorite episode to listen to because I've been there, referring to the Banff Hotel in Canada. I forgot about room 873. Inglewood, Calgary has some interesting stories as well, so we'll definitely have to check those out. Thank you very much. I love a good haunted hotel story. Yes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. 
I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. What you got for me? In 1889, the term spinster was commonly used to refer to an unmarried woman, typically beyond the usual age of marriage, which at the time was like, what, 12? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, being a spinster during that time period in Britain carried certain stigmas, attitudes, and challenges. Unmarried women, especially those who had reached their late 20s or early 30s, were often viewed with suspicion or pity by society. Hmm. They were seen as deviating from the expected path of marriage and motherhood, which were considered the primary roles for women. Women who remain unmarried often faced economic challenges. Marriage was seen as an avenue of financial security, and without a husband, they had limited opportunities for financial independence, and many relied on their families for support or worked as domestic servants or governesses. And as I said, there was often like a suspicion connected with spinsters. Unmarried women were sometimes perceived as lacking in social standing or respectability. Mm. They were excluded from certain social circles and faced limited opportunities for advancement in society because marriage was seen as a way to gain social status and establish connections in the community. But it wasn't just social. Unmarried women had fewer rights and freedoms compared to their married counterparts. They had limited control over their own finances and property, if any, and their choices and actions were often the subject to the authority of male family members, because if they hadn't found a man outside of the family to control who they were, then they had to rely on their family to continue to do so. <clears throat> now, of course, society placed significant pressure on women to conform to traditional gender roles, which included marriage and motherhood. And unmarried women, they just didn't adhere to these. And therefore, it was... Witchcraft. You know, it was weird. And not just seen as, oh, they've chosen not to get married or they just haven't had, you know, a good opportunity to get married. But like, what's going on here? <laughs> but a British magazine thought, well... Maybe these women have other reasons for being single at an age most would consider it appropriate to be married. Maybe. Titbits <laughs> was a British weekly magazine founded by George Nunes. Uh -huh. Its full name was Titbits from all the interesting books and newspapers of the world. I see. But most just called it Titbits. 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 <laughs> The magazine started as a widely circulated commercial publication on inexpensive newsprint, quickly achieving sales of 
400,000 to 600,000 copies. Its funding was supported by the establishment of a vegetarian restaurant in Manchester. Well, this is all very odd. So by the early 1900s, Titbits became the first British periodical to reach the milestone of selling over 1 million copies per issue. The magazine, again called Titbits, (laughs) featured not only short stories and full-length fiction, but showcased authors like Isaac Asimov and Christopher Priest. In 1890, Virginia Woolf, at the age of eight, submitted her first article to the paper, but it it was rejected. Oh, my God. Wow. She was eight, so. Yeah, but she was Virginia Woolf. Right. So it's 1889, and Titbits asked readers to answer this question. Why am I a spinster? The term spinster to me is just wild. But anyway, why am I a spinster? The paper offered a prize to the woman who they deemed offered the best answer. And here are some of the responses. Why am I a spinster? Because I am like the rifle volunteers. Always ready, but never wanted. Annie Thompson. Oh. Poor Annie. Miss Jessie Davies blamed Americans. Because I am an English lady and the Americans monopolize the market. (laughs) (laughs) My reason for being a spinster is answered in the quotation from The Taming of the Shrew. Of all the men alive, I never yet beheld that special face which I could fancy more than any other. Hmm. That's according to Miss Lizzie Moore, quoting Shakespeare. I love it. And probably she had to have some guy write it for her, though. Stop it. S.A. Roberts responded, because, like a rare piece of china, I am breakable and mendable, but difficult to match. How poetic. That's very poetic. I love it. Miss Sarah Kernels responded, like a wild mustang of the prairie that roams unfettered, (laughs) tossing its head in utter disdain at the approach of the lasso, which, if once round his neck, proclaims him captive. So I find it more delightful to tread on the verge of freedom than captivity, than to allow the snarer to cast around me the matrimonial lasso. Again, poetic. Right? I mean, for a woman. Stop! Miss Emmeline Lawrence responded, I love this so much, (laughs) because men, like three-cornered tarts, are deceitful. They are pleasing to the eye, but on closer acquaintanceship prove hollow and stale, (laughs) consisting chiefly of puff with a minimum of sweetness and an unconquerable propensity to disagree with one. Yeah, I hate it when I get one of those those puffs and it's like a teaspoon of raspberry filling, but the rest of it's just air. Yeah. 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 Full of air. Full of air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And flaky. And flaky. Miss <laughs> Laura Bax responded, why am I a spinster? Because matrimony is like an electric battery. Once you join hands, you cannot let go, however much it hurts. And... As when embarked on a toboggan slide, you must go the bitter end, however much it bumps. I think that maybe Laura saw some really unhappy marriages Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. was like, no, thank you. (laughs) That is not the route for me. Keep your matrimonial lasso to yourself, (laughs) my good man. A good day to you. I said good day. (laughs) Miss Anna Newlin, who apparently 
wrote in her accent, which is one of my favorite things in the whole world, wrote, Being a cook with 14-pound savings in the bank, I naturally looks down on pearlsmen, soldiers, and settlers. So I am waiting for an earl or a duke or something that sort of proposed for me and my art, and that's why I am a spinster. Wow. Yeah. She's got 14 pounds in savings, so she doesn't need you. That's right. She's going to marry a duke spelled D-O-O-K. I love it. She's my favorite. Another response, I am derelict cargo of treasure on the shore of the nuptial sea. Wow. I know. For good men are scarce, but fools there are plenty. That's why I'm single at seven and 20. (laughs) 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 Ms. Florence Watts writes, because I have other professions open to me in which the hours are shorter, the work more agreeable, and the pay possibly better. (laughs) And this, I just think is lovely. Miss Sparrow responded, why am I a spinster? Because I do not care to enlarge my menagerie of pets. And I find the animal man less docile than a dog, less affectionate than a cat, and less amusing than a monkey. (laughs) (laughs) well she's not wrong about any of those things particularly the monkey comment well how might one or an entire newspaper room of employees choose just one of these to win their prize they could not the paper decided that the responses were too good making it impossible to select only one as a winner as a result, they decided to publish their favorite entries and reward each winner with five shillings. Now, if I did my calculations correctly, that's about 26 pounds today or 31 U.S. dollars right. or 50 Australian dollars or 860 Turkish lira or 768,170 Vietnamese dong. Rusty sheriff's badge. These I just thought were so lovely and gave an interesting perspective into, you know, spinster was an idea. Mm. And so often that came with this concept of pity or they couldn't get a man when apparently some of these ladies had no interest. Thank you very much, sir. Enjoy your day. Where does the term spinster come from? I always imagine, you know, a woman who had to take work by spinning yarn or spinning wool using a spinning wheel. That's what I pictured. Is that right? Where does the term spinster come from? According to merriamwebster.com, when spinster first entered English in the mid 1300s, it referred to a woman who spun yarn and thread. Our earliest use comes from the allegorical poem, Piers Plowman and my wife, Spack to be spinsters for the spin hit soft. <laughs> Plowman. I got my information from boardpanda.com, Ranker, and Daily Squared. Thank you to those who have sent Halloween entries for our upcoming Halloween oh, special. They're so good. And uh, yeah, yeah, there we have one. I'm particularly excited about about a time slip. And that's a great example of how your story doesn't have to be about ghosts or something like that. It can be just something unusual that happened. Or even if it's just really funny, I might appreciate that and and use that. Mm -hmm. I love editing your stories. It's one of my favorite things that I have to do all year long is listening to and editing these stories. 
And last year, I had a weird thing happen where I edited down the stories into two parts and they came out to the exact same length and it blew my mind. Yeah, that's weird. And I I like freaked out and I made a TikTok about it. It was like right down to the 10th of a second. It was exactly the same time. Anyway, it was that weird. <laughs> anyway, please send your stories. Yeah, and record them on your cell phone. Your voice e- sounds great. Email them to curator at the box of oddities.com and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Cool. That hotel. Banff. 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 Yeah, Banff. 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 Let's Banff. Put on your red shoes and Banff the blues. Let's Banff. Fall down the stairs and break our neck. Oh, that's not cool. No. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.